Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hits. On a more serious note, and I think it's important that we talk about this, but I want to look at a slightly different angle. And I'm sure many of you have heard the story today of a former Christian brother who in the early 1970s took young boys to the head of his class to put his hands down their trousers and sexually assault them. And he's been jailed for only three years, he's 70 years of age, or 85 years of age, Jack Manning. And the reason he was only jailed for three years is because the judge took into consideration his poor health and that he wouldn't last long in jail. I don't believe that should have been the case, but however... He left the order in 1977 and has an address in Donnybrook in Dublin. He pleaded guilty to nine counts of indecently assaulting four, four of his pupils aged six to eight years of age at Westland Road CBS Dublin 2 admitting the full facts of the prosecution case according to the journal.ie. Uh, most of the offences took place uh, during the school year which ran from September 1972 to June 1973 although one of the boys was abused in late 1975. The four men now aged in their 50s gave victim impact statements at a sentence hearing at Dublin at the Dublin Circuit Criminal Court today and they waived their right to to be anonymous so that Manning could be identified. It would start by him calling people up to the desk, according to Kieran Best. Gave a statement to the guards. He put his arm around his waist, opened the button in his trousers, touched his penis and his testicles and his rectum. He said Manning would call him up to the front of the class and interfere with him as he read in this manner for two to three minutes as often as once or twice a week uh, when he was between the ages of seven and eight years of age. The testimonies go on from the other boys, more or less the same thing. There was even a suggestion at one stage um, uh, that um, he had boys in a group running around a field exposed and naked. The man was clearly an animal, an absolute animal. And there is no possible way in this wild earthly world, and this is what I want to come to tonight, he deserves to be in jail and stay there, okay? But there is no way in this wild earthly world that other people of authority within the school system at the time didn't know what he was doing. They had to have known what he was doing. They were well aware of it, what he was doing. Possibly other teachers, possibly principals. There may have been complaints about him, other complaints about him, or murmurs or rumours. Like we hear about, you know, other people like, say, Jimmy Savile and stuff like that. Take Father Brendan Smith who died in 1997. He was a Catholic priest from Belfast, Northern Ireland, who became notorious as a child molester, using his position in the Catholic Church to obtain access to all his victims. I think, from what I remember, it covered a period of about 40 years. It was 143 victims. And I remember at the time, Cardinal Brady, going back about 10 years ago when we talked about this on the air, said that he was a note-taker. He classed himself as a note-taker when parents came in with children or children made a complaint about being sexually abused by Brendan Smith, that Brady would sit there with a pen and paper and take notes. And when he was asked why he didn't go to the police, he said he went to the bishop. He went to the Catholic Church. He didn't go to the police. None of these people felt it necessary to go to the police. The same in these kind of cases that somebody... Other people had to have known. In all the cases that we've heard of people of authority, I'm not just picking on the Catholic Church, be it priests, be it Christian brothers, be it people in the media or whoever it happened to be that were abusing children and are in a position of authority to abuse children. Other people knew. Loads of people knew. People in authority knew what they were like. Ah, uh, yeah, I always knew he was a bit dodgy. Uh, yeah, there's rumours going around about him for ages there. Kids, you know, yourself. 
That was the story. I remember in my own school, there was a Christian brother. And everybody, I won't mention his name in the air because I don't know whether the man was ever convicted. Hopefully he was, because he never went near me. But there was a Christian brother who was well known at the time. We were kids. And I knew there was other teachers who knew about him. So the rumour around the school was, don't be left alone with him. Don't be on the stairs during lunch when the stairs was packed. It was well known that he would go up and down the stairs when there was a lot of boys going up and down the stairs feeling their arses. It was well known that's what he would do. He was given a nickname because of it. But yet, now it wasn't up to obviously me to report because I was only 12 years of age or 11 years of age at the time. I wouldn't know any better. But surely people in authority, principals and surely other teachers who would have known, and they all knew because we knew. So they had to have known, and they were adults. They were mature of mind. They were in their 30s. Surely one of them should have said something. Now, the Criminal Justice Bill, of course, in the early part of, I think, 2012 or 2013, uh, changed all that. Whereby, if you're in that position now, let's say you're in a local football club, and you're the manager of the team, and you know the trainer is abusing young boys or children, you have a responsibility to go to the authorities. And if you don't, and it's found out that you knew and you didn't pass on the information to the relevant authorities, i.e. the Garda Sheikana, you equally can be criminally prosecuted. That's the law now. The same way as if you're a doctor, a psychologist, or anybody who is dealing, or a carer, anybody who's dealing with children, teachers, and they're aware that a child is being abused, or a child's life is in danger, or a child in any way, in any shape or form, is in danger or neglect, and they do not report it, they can be criminally responsible under the new law of the Criminal Justice Act. But that didn't apply to these. But should it? Should it apply to them? When you hear the stories and the testimonies of these boys in court today talking about this priest, bringing them up to the class in front of every other boy and essentially masturbating them in front of other children, touching them, feeling them, making them run around fields naked together. Other, other teachers, somebody must have known an authority. There had to have been rumours about him. But yes, nobody said anything. So I want to ask a question. Leaving this case aside to some degree, because I don't want to be insensitive because the case is only today and I don't want to be insensitive to the victims in this particular case. I have no insensitivity towards um, this particular priest or Christian brother, should I say. But leaving that case aside, generally speaking, those who abuse children, be they in the Catholic Church or the Christian brothers or nuns or uh, school teachers or people in the media or whoever it was who abused children wholesale within their position of authority, film stars, whatever, going back 30 or 40 years ago when this kind of thing was happening wholesale. Do you believe the people who knew about it then, people in authority, people who were adults, should they be criminally responsible for not reporting it? Should they be criminally responsible now for not reporting that? Because they could have saved people's lives. These four boys will get a life, have a life sentence of, I suppose, nightmares, memories, bad memories, Destroy their pardon me, it's destroy their lives. So should there be criminal responsibility? Or has too much time elapsed? Or some people are of the belief Ah sure now that was the way it was in those days. Isn't that the line that comes gets trotted out? Oh yeah, sure everyone knew he was doing it, but sure that was the way it was in those days. You just didn't say anything, you know what I mean? That's just the way it was. That's what people say. Is that acceptable? Can we can we look 
at 1960 and 70 through our 2021 glasses and be judgmental. Some people say you can't. You have to look at it through the glasses of the times. Let me know what you think. The number's 087 Should you be criminally responsible if you knew of an individual who was abusing children 40 years ago and you said nothing? Should you be criminally responsible? The number is 087-188-008. Let me go to Dermot. Dermot, you're an Ireland's Classic Kids. How are you doing? Yeah, good evening to you, Niall. How are you? Good, Dermot. What a shocking story today when I read this in the news. Do you find it shocking? Well, no, I'm not surprised. If that, no, I'm not yeah, surprised. That would be, be more my, my end of the things. Nothing is shocking anymore, Niall, what, what happened back in the, in the 60s, and um, 50s, 60s, 70s. Like, I'm not going to, obviously, I'm not going to mention anything about the school I went to or the teacher by name. But for sure, in my school, when I was, the school I went to from the age of 13 to 16, from 76 to 78, 79, one of our teachers, in hindsight, as, as history has proven, was an absolute pedophile. And he was wholeheartedly responsible for the death of, by suicide, of a couple of uh, young lads. And he was known, um, it's, it's again, history, you know, in hindsight, the school knew, had a very good idea um, what was going on. And in the 70s, the board, he did it for many, many years, and the Board of Education, whoever was in charge of the school at the time, the teachers did nothing, did absolutely nothing. And it was known, it was known even then that he was up to no good. He was, he was following, knocking on doors of, of students, and the parents had to sort of tell him to piss off and mind his own business. He was, he was a blatant pedophile, and nothing was done, and he died since, and he never saw a day in court nor a day in jail for what he did. Did, so anybody, that, ever, did anybody ever make any accusations against him before he died? No. Yes. There was, I no, mean, there I mean, was, to the guards? There was. Now, that's, I don't, if I go into that, then... It okay, might be all right, okay, okay. Okay. But to, to put it mildly, there was, but, um, but he was, he had good authority, he, he had friends in high places, and he was, he was looked after. All right, okay. Simple as. So the, and I, and I, the answer to your question is, 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 does the state, did the state know what was going on? No, well, no, they, individuals. There were other individuals in that particular school who must have known, let's say his name is Tommy, who must have known, uh, we all know what Tommy's up to. Sure, Tommy's fond of, the, fond of the kids, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Without a shadow of a doubt, they, it was known. And it, it, like, the point is, if, if, um, if what was I going to say? If you YouTube, there was a documentary done on it. Like it's 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 out in the open. It's not it's not a secret. There was a YouTube or there was a documentary, an Irish program done on this particular individual, and it tells the whole story of the students and that went forward and nothing was ever done. It was all it was meant to to be dealt with, and it was paperwork was lost and this happened that happened. So I'm not. It's this is not a makeup thing. It's an actual uh, TG Carhart program was mm-hmm. done. Yeah, but I mean, there's been numerous cases like that. I mentioned Father Brendan Smith earlier on, who they believe uh, probably assaulted at least 143 victims over 40 years. Absolutely. And Cardinal Brady at the time, uh, when we talked about this about 10 years ago, admitted that uh, that he was a note taker. In other words, when these boys gave evidence, uh, you know, when their mums and dads brought them to the school to make the complaint, he would sit taking notes and was well aware of what was going on, but said he didn't report it to the police. He only did reported you, did, it. Did you, did you happen to see the doc, uh, the uh, interview with Brian Dobson, uh, that Brian Dobson did with him? No, I didn't actually, no. 
you did a, a very in, in, inept interview with him when this was all um, coming out a couple of years ago. Probably 2014, Dobson, I think, around yeah, that time. Yeah. And Dobson got stuck into him on that particular subject, obviously. And he tried to back it up that he was a very young priest and he was out of his league and he was just there to take notes and uh, blah, 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 blah. And he, like, should he be held criminally responsible? 100%. He knew there was a, a, a criminal act going on, there was a crime going on. And he did nothing. He just well, he didn't do nothing. Head. He said he reported it to the bishop. Well, of course he did. No, that's yeah. what I was about to say. He stayed within his own congregation, and he, he, he stayed in the church. And he said it was up then to hire people above him to contact the guards, and they never did. It wasn't his place to contact the guards. Yeah, but he would have been. But he would have been. He would have been aware that the guards clearly weren't contacted. Or, yep. you know, and because obviously Brendan Smith didn't go to jail at that particular time, so he would have been well yep. aware. Now, Brendan Smith, of course, since died. He's died since, uh, when did he die? 1997, I think it was. Yeah, he did. did, did and I believe, by the way, they put okay. concrete over the top of his grave, maybe to make sure he doesn't get out. Anyway, um, I suppose to make sure somebody doesn't steal his body or something like that. I don't know what the reason for it was. But anyway, th- I mean, these individuals, be they school teachers or people in the media, because they don't want to be picking primarily on the church, but Christian brothers and school teachers, you know, and... They had. There were people of authority at the time. Well, no, no. Again, looking at Brendan Smith's situation, you, you are aware that that, that the North, the Northern Ireland Police wanted him, uh, the BSNI or wherever they were at that time, the REC wanted him extradited because he did a lot of his crimes in Belfast in the north, and then he skipped back across the border, and he he basically admitted what he had done. And he skipped back across the border into this into this um, abbey, whatever he was staying out in Cavan. And the, when he was due to go to court, he never showed. The REC found out where he was. He got in touch with the authorities down here. And because it, at that time, I think there was there was still problems with extradition back back and forward. The, it was put on the back burner. And quite simply, the authorities down here knew who he was, what he was wanted for, but they would not. The but, but he was, but he was also being investigated in the United States because he spent time over there as well in uh, kind of Rhode yeah. Island and Dakota and also Boston, where he was suspected of similar actions while he was over there as well. Of course, he was just one of thousands, as you say. If you watch the documentary on on the Boston on uh, the um, that uh, them people in the Boston Globe. That, oh, that spotlight, spotlight, yeah, yeah, spotlight. Absolutely intriguing. Yeah. what these people did and what they pulled out of the uh, out of the woodwork. And the whole lot. No, look, the, the individuals that committed these crimes basically put their hand up like that. That El Paso today, I've done it. And what he's, he a, he's do eighty-five, that? by the way. The judge took into consideration his ill health, and obviously a, a doctor was in court to say that he wouldn't he wouldn't last long in jail. You know. Yeah, well, we we had this conversation before. What do you do with an El Paso like him? Do you put him in jail? Is there any point? Is he going to cost the state money? Is he going to last five minutes in jail? Possibly not. I, I really don't have an answer. What you, you, you put him in the cell and let him rot, let him starve until he's dead because of what he's done. I don't know. That's not the way humanity works. It's just. I see. I, I, I think it's worse, and I know this maybe sounds wrong, and I don't want to de- diminish, you know, the the horribleness of you know somebody who's been sexually assaulted by somebody who's not in a position of authority. But I think when it's a person in a position of authority, be it a priest, be it a Christian brother, be it a teacher, or indeed somebody in the media, you know, who ha- has a position of authority, it's a complete and utter breach of trust. Apart from anything else, it is. But the thing about it is, the people, the the the, the, the wider circle around these individuals. Like, there's no way any one individual, like this guy of 85 today, 
there's guarantee that there was people, there might have been 10 people, there could have been a dozen people, knew over the years what this guy was doing, including this other guy that was uh, that's in the news, Marmion. Did you ever hear this guy, Joseph No, Marmion? no, I haven't heard the story of him. All right, well, he's, he's another one of these dudes, and he's dead now, he's dead over 20 years. But in, in fairness, your other, your other friend there, Joe Duffy, was, was highlighting this. Oh, I, I think I heard a bit of that today. Yes, I did hear a bit of that. Today. Yeah, but he was, he was a similar sort of bloke. He was just an absolute bastard. In and and should, uh, okay, but should the people who were aware of all these individuals, and there was many of them from all walks of life and in positions of authority, people who knew about them, now I'm not talking about children, because obviously children, you know, may have said something or they may not, children didn't know. I mean, when I was 11, when there was a teacher in our school, or 11, I think about 11 years of age, who everybody knew liked young boys. And, but we were 11, so we didn't know any better. We just thought he was a weirdo or a creep. That's the way we would describe it as 11 years of age. But there was other adults, be they teachers and principals, who would have known uh, what they were doing was wrong. Now, the argument always, Dermot, is, ah, sure, it was the 1960s and 70s. Yeah. Sure, that's the way it was. You know what I mean? That's... Sure, that was that was kind of acceptable behaviour. When I say acceptable I mean, behaviour, that was the way it was, and actually ah, just turn a blind eye to it, you know. But it is a fact, though. It's quite simply, it's 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 a it's the it's the state that was um, that was formed, and it goes back to De Valera, and it goes back to um, what's his name that that enrages Archbishop McQuaid. It goes back to that era of the thirties and forties and fifties, where the religion was God, and anything and everything revolved around religion. And, they, and it's quite simply, if the priests were, and, and the, the Christian brothers and the whole nine yards, you're all allowed to do this, and a blind eye was torn. It, 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 it absolutely, what you said there is right. Well, it was the 50s, that was the 60s, that was the 70s. You, it wouldn't happen today, I know that for a fact. No, it wouldn't, no, no. But most certainly, most certainly, it's... it's well, it would, well, don't get me wrong, it can happen, but if, if people find out about it, they're caught very quickly. There's a bit of mm. a difference in the way it's dealt with nowadays. Well, no, yeah, in, in nowadays with technology, we had had the, the social media 50 years ago that we have now, an awful lot of that would have been sorted. Absolutely, yeah. It wouldn't have been allowed. Okay, so should should those, well, let, let me go back to the question. Since 2012, I think it is, the Criminal Justice Act now has been changed to reflect the, you know, the idea that if you know about something like that happening and you do nothing or don't report it, you can be criminally responsible. But before that, they can't, I suppose, apply that law retrospectively. But should they? Should they apply laws retrospectively to people who are aware that paedophiles or, or abusers were preying yeah. on children? Including, including that that, that uh, dude Brady. Like I'm not, a, I'm mm. not a religious guy, and I've no, I couldn't care, give a shit if he's the Pope in Rome. It doesn't bother me. Quite simply, but well, the Pope in Rome at the time, John Paul was well, well aware of priests, by the way, who were uh, abusing children too. Well, there you go. Well, there yeah. you go. The, the most ironic thing that he came here in '79 and he knew exactly what was going on around the world. And well, he did. He and he he would be well, would have been well aware of priests that were moved from parish to parish. But stay stay there, Dermot, for a second. Let me go to Jude. Uh, Jude, you're an Ireland's classic kids. How you doing, Jude? Not about it all, now. Jude, in relation to, I don't want to focus just on the Catholic Church because it happened within the media. You had Jimmy Savile and you had other people like that as well. People who had access to children uh, on a regular basis. <laughs> and others knew what they were doing every i mean the same with Jimmy Savile your celebrities have come out since and say oh yeah we all knew what he was everybody knew that that was the rumor going around do you believe that people who knew or who had definitely information i'm not talking about just a rumor but information and they didn't report it should they be criminally responsible like no it's wrong don't get me wrong and your man who got 3 years or whatever because the judge said he was too old and too thick. He wasn't too old or too thick when he molested the boy, so he should spend the rest of his life in jail. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't disagree with you. But uh, to say law should be 
sort of be retrospective. That means it's a precedent for every other law to be seen retrospective. Then that means we, the hundreds of thousands of people will be criminalised for something they did at the time when it wasn't illegal. So I think it'll be, it would be, wouldn't be too, you know, it wouldn't be too practical to make laws retrospective. That's why they're not made retrospective. Right, so in other words, we're looking at, we're viewing a time in, uh, in history through 2021 eyes, and you can't do that, is what you're saying. That's what I'm saying, for any, any law. But what I'm saying is, it's totally wrong. And I think it's an Irish, and especially a Catholic speciality. I think there was even pride. But we, do, but we don't have a statute of limitations in this country. I know America do. We don't have a statute of limitations. We do on civil law. Um, but I don't think, no, we don't have statute of limitations on criminal law in this country. So, I mean, you you can come along and accuse somebody of rape or murder or assault from 40 years ago. Well, that, that's brilliant because it's still illegal. That's great. Mm-hmm. But like, I think it's like, it was a speciality within Ireland and Catholics. And so they almost seem to take pride in it that no one knew that this horrible thing of child molestation was being carried out under people's noses. And it was almost like... Because when there was priests found out over here, nothing was done about it. were shipped over to other countries, and then those Irish priests in other parishes abroad, America, Canada, whatever, Australia, they were molesting over there. So it was almost like a pride, and you could almost see that when the Pope came over here, and as that man there, Dermot, that people were ready, he didn't even need toilet paper when he came over here. There were so many people ready. People, yes, of course, people were down their hands and knees because we thought he was this wonderful person. And for all the world, by the way, the people who went to see him, the million people in the Phoenix Park who went to see him, he was a wonderful person because that's the way he was viewed. Now, it, it only later came out, I suppose, you know, 20 years later, uh, you know, that he would have been aware of priests that were moved from parish to parish, just like his predecessor uh, was aware as well. And, and probably other popes before that probably were aware as well. So, I mean, we know that now. And there is also... There is also, it's, it can never be, probably will never be proven because it is, it is hidden at the highest level in the Vatican, that the, the poor of the priest that or, or, um, Pope that lasted 33 days after, before Pope John Paul came into, into office, that he was a young man and he was going to, what's the best way of putting it, he was going to blow the whistle and really stamp down on all this carry on. And he was, he was killed for it. Now, it can never be fully proven. They reckon he died of a heart attack, but he was a young man and he only lasted 33 days and they reckon he, he was going to really lift the lid on all of this and was going to... Well, well it was well known as well that Cardinal Ratzinger, better known as um, Pope Benedict, of course, who took over from yeah. Temple, he, when he was in Munich um, as a parish priest, his job, and he was responsible, at one stage actually, he got a guy out of a, I think it was actually a mental hospital, who was a, a priest, and got him moved to another parish who had been abusing boys, and he was well aware of absolutely, that. Absolutely, absolutely. He, he got out of town, he got out of town just in time, because he knew the shit was hitting the fan, and he, as they said, he's the first pope in, in a, a thousand years or something to actually resign from office. It's meant to be a lifetime well, the reason he resigned from office was quite obvious because he wasn't a good face for the Catholic Church at the time because, unfortunately, he came over here at one stage and he just still didn't apologise in relation to the, the abuse over here. Well, his apology was a kind of, uh, a wet, I suppose, a wet-handed apology. It wasn't really an apology. Yep. Uh, OK, but get, getting back, to, I mean, and, and again, I don't want to focus just too much on the church because it wasn't just the church. There was lay teachers as well, by the way. No, but they made and, a speciality, and, though. It was the church's speciality in hiding this. 
in, hi- in hiding it, yes, yes. Hiding it and ignoring it. And because I, I want to be abundantly clear, it was only, uh, I remember looking at figures that a while ago, it was like one and a half or 2% of priests are, were involved in this kind of behaviour. But you are right. You know, there was a huge percentage of people who were aware of these individuals and so hid it. small people, or if there was so little, say, there was only 2% of those priests doing it, it was very little. But those little were able to get away with so much because the church, and especially over in Ireland, was to specialise in covering up because it would ruin the pride because we were, as Dermot said, it was all if, down to religion and the Catholic faith. If you, there was anything to blacken it. So that's how it became a speciality to cover up child molestation. If you, if you have an interest, Niall, if you, you obviously have an interest in this, like the rest of us, what I'll do when, when, this, when this conversation is over, I'm going to text down to your, to your app, uh, your, to the station there, the name of the teacher I'm talking about and you can hopefully look up the TG Carhart programme and watch it. It's only an hour program, and it is intriguing as to um, what this. And, and, and he was one of your te- he was one of your teachers, Dermot, Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah, he taught me. He taught me in school. Yeah. Okay, stay, stay there, both of you, for a second. Stay there, both. Uh, Seamus, you're an Ireland's classic kids. Seamus, Jude makes a good point that you can't apply the law retrospectively. You know, you can't go back now and say, oh, well, you knew about this 40 years ago and you did nothing. You never went to the the police because if that was the case, we could all be, you know, charged with different laws that weren't around 40 or 50 years ago. Um, how are you getting on, mate? No, it's been a while, Seamus, and I know you're a, survi- you're a survivor yourself. I am. Yes. Um, and I have a group here in Cork. Um, I've been fighting, my group has been fighting to try and get a law in that those who know about it are as guilty as those who did it. If it wasn't for people like them, half of the kids that were in the indoor or anywhere wouldn't have been raped and tortured. And that's what's protecting them now. Quietness. Mm-hmm. Knowing that these things were going on. Like, I have a, a document here from St. Lawrence's school and, um, it's a legal document. I was there in the 70s, and two of the staff approached the Department of Education and informed them that kids were being raped and they were told to fuck off and mind their own business. And I have that document here. Well, I'm assuming the document didn't use that wording, but yes, I get, no, get the, the point you're making. It's my yes. word. It's just a nice saying it. Saying it. Um, so, in other words, the Department of Education were informed about individuals within the system yes. who were abusing children and they yeah, did yeah. nothing about it. They did nothing about it, absolutely. And I have a document here. Um, now, but that would, Seamus, you, I, I know I should seem surprised by that, but I'm not surprised by that because no, the not. Department of Education basically had a hands-off approach to education because education was being run by the uh, the, the Catholic Church, etc., etc. And basically, when something went wrong, they would just give the church, well, they wouldn't even give them a ring, there probably wasn't many, many phones in those days, and just say, look, lads, you deal with that, will you? We don't want to be dealing with it. Well... One of the reasons the religious orders got into running schools like that was because the schools, every school around, industrial school around Ireland was getting one million pounds per year from the government. Now, that was back in them days. Now, on top of that, I was in St. Lawrence's School in Dublin. So they were getting the million pounds from the government. Cork... Uh, city or Dublin City Council were then giving the school nine pounds per week for me. Then Dublin City Council were giving them another nine pound to that school for me, and we were still being starved. So, in other words, follow the money. It was all about the money. Yeah, that's all it was. Is follow the money. 
Um, but but okay, but getting back to the question I asked at the start, and Jude makes a good point. Dermot absolutely believes people should be charged, but Jude yes. make, does make a good point. Now the law did change, Seamus. You know, uh, going back ten years ago, a little a little under ten years ago, the Criminal Justice Act, whereby if you are aware of something going on, you must report it, or you're equally responsible. But the law didn't apply. It's not applied retrospectively because, as Jude rightly says, should that law could apply to loads of people, thousands and thousands of people, but different types of laws. I'm talking about that, and you can't apply laws retrospectively. I mean, the way I see it is that I don't care who or what they are. Anybody in in power, people come to us on the streets and they ask us to vote for them because they want to run the country and they want to have they want to have our best best interests to have. Right? These are men and women in organisations like Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael. They were civil servants. They come out every now and then they say, on behalf of the state, we want to apologise to survivors. The state never harmed us. It was the civil servants that were running the country that was allowing this to happen. The civil servants within the Department of Education knew. And they can't turn around and say, no, they didn't. Yeah, but I'm, nobody's yeah, but nobody's denying that, Seamus. And and I'm not denying for a minute right. there were individuals so, who knew what was happening to you uh, so when you were abused. I, so why can't I now go and have these people charged? Because there was, there's no because there was no law against it at that time. At that time, see, Seamus, and I'm not. I hope I'm not being disrespectful to you, right? Okay, but at the time when you were abused, the individual who abused you, there was other people, adults, who knew what he was up to, right? Yeah. Okay. Now, but they had a moral decision as to whether to do something about that. Now, they chose not to or some of them chose not to uh, do anything about that and keep it to themselves. Maybe tell a few friends or something like that, but generally keep it to themselves. They had no legal obligation to do anything about it. And the point Jude is making is you can't apply a legal obligation to something that happened 30 or 40 years ago. Now, I I understand what what he's saying, but... You cannot do that. Yeah. I, I agree with you. You cannot do that. But they don't have the right then to take these paedophiles out of one school and put them into another. No, they certainly did not. So the, the, the next, sorry, just just another question on the or, uh, side to this. If you're looking back at a, a lot of these cases going back, uh, would you try to tell me that the guards, that people that in in, in the top notches of the guardy were not aware that this was going on and did well, not? Well, they did. They, of course, they were aware. I can they are very that. culpable. Oh, the guard, oh, don't, hey, let's, let's be clear about that. The guards weren't innocent in this either, because I can tell you now, in relation to, say, St. Patrick's home on the Navin Road and what was happening yeah. to women, you know, in the mother of maybe's homes, there was a well-known story of, you know, people saying to the guard of Shea Connor or the guards themselves going to their own sergeant and saying, there's something dodgy going on over there. And the sergeant going, ah, just leave them to it. That's their thing. Well, no, we don't get involved confirm, in that. We can, don't get I involved. I can confirm that. I can confirm yeah. that if you want. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah, no, I, I know that happened. Well, while I was in St. Lawrence's school, they brought me to Cork one day. They said they were bringing me down home to see my parents. And they drove all the way down to Cork, and they drove out the south side of the city. They went to the gas station, collected an escapee, drove back to Dublin without bringing me home. The following day, I escaped, and I, got my, I found my way to Houston Station. Now, just outside Houston Station, but within the station, there's a load of bushes as the tracks are coming up into the station. And I was there one day, and two Gardaí came in behind me, 
And they says, come out here, you little bastard. And I said, Gerb, please don't bring me back to the school because I'm being abused and raped and tortured. And I was told, shut the fuck up, you're going back to the school. What year was that? 74, 75. Yeah, okay. So okay, but well, hang on a second. Jude, when you listen yeah. to what happened to Seamus, and I don't want Seamus to go down the whole story again because he's told the story in the air before. I don't want to drag him all back into it again. But, 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 but clearly he was horrible. abused. And exactly. It's wrong and it's horrible. Brutal. But, Absolutely. Okay, but people, but people knew. Yes, yes, they knew, and what they. But as I'm saying, I'm just being pragmatic here. I'm not, by no way, even trying to say that didn't happen. There was loads of molestation. I said it was an Irish and Catholic speciality to cover it up, and the reason why it was so easy to cover it up is because people didn't say anything. But because yes. they didn't say anything, now they can't. You can't charge them, or that would be even get proof. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. It would be very impractical. I would tend to agree with Jude on that one. As much as we would like to see, what I'd like to see those two coppers, that that, that, that poor chap when he was in the bushes and they pulled him out of the bushes and, and he explained to them what was going on. He explained to them that, it, that there was a crime going on. And these yeah. were two lawful fucking officers and they did absolutely nothing. Now, would you, if 74, 75, 45 years ago, where would they be? Would they be alive? It would be an astronomical effort to try and locate the guards that knew, find out how they knew, did they know, they can just deny it. And the whole nine yards, it, 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 it is a momentous effort to try and remedy the, the, Yeah, I don't, I, I, oh, I, I love it. I, I think Jude is right. I think it'd be too uh, okay, I, 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 I'm sorry, just to get back to you, Seamus, I know you're campaigning for it at the moment to try and do yeah. that, but you've heard the argument from the guys. What do you feel about when you hear people say that? And I t- kind of tend to agree with them, that it would be very, very difficult, even though you know there were individuals in authority, even in the Department of Education at the time, who knew what was going on, who knew the actual individual priests who were constantly abusing people or the lay teachers or whoever they happened to be, and were just moving them around. They knew who they were. But it yeah. would be impossible now to charge anybody from that for that. I think it's unfair. Um, remember, Niall, those who make the law can make any law they want and they can backdate it. No. But you I don't know if you... Uh, listen, no, serious. I don't know if you know anything about the state paying out the slop out to prisoners. Mm-hmm. Oh, I do, yes. Right. The first case that went in front of the court, the judge, um, he backdated the whole lot for six years. That was then taken to the Supreme Court and it was backdated longer. So... It is. It would be the, yeah, but the, you're you're talking about litigation and civil matters. They say do the same with the army deafness as well. So their their litigation and their you know that's a different situation because nothing really changed. But in this situation, something has changed. What has changed is not only our moral view over time of how we react to stories like this, but also there was an actual law, or there is an actual law now where there wasn't at the time. So we acknowledge that there was no law at the time. So if I, but so if somebody has said to me, "Do you hear about poor old Seamus there? Father such and such was, uh, you know, having a go at him. You know, ah, it's just well known he's doing it to everybody." I can make a decision, or I could have made a decision there and then to go to the police. But I could have made a decision not to, even though I thought morally it was wrong. I can make a decision. Ah, I'm not getting involved in that. And that the law at the time dictated that I didn't have to go to the police. So that's yeah. the difference, isn't it? That's the difference. The law. Yeah, and that's where that's where this guy Brady is has got the uh, 
Got okay, you're talking about Karen O'Brady in relation to Brendan Smith. Yes, the law is on his side. He's owned up for the whole world to hear that he listened to these guys to tell him. He was a note-taker, yeah. A note-taker, and he listened to these poor young lads tell him in detail, and he took every note in detail of the damage that this bastard did to them, and yet he did nothing. He sat there as a human being. He might have been a young priest. It's of no significance. He listened to, he took notes of a crime, a very serious crime taking place, and he did nothing. And he's now trying to defend it. I well, mean, yeah, then, okay. I mean, he admitted to, uh, at the time, because he was under huge pressure to resign, um, and he admitted that in 1975 he witnessed two teenage boys sign right. oaths of silence and testifying in a church uh, inquiry against Father Brendan Smith. So he yep. actually witnessed signatures of two boys who were silenced. Yeah. As a matter of interest, well, Seamus, that chap Seamus is on. Will the Seamus ever get any retribution against these, the people that abused them? And two, did, did he get believed? Has he got compensation? Has anybody actually believed his story? Um, I tell you what, no. Um, that's a good question. Um, when when the right of place here on Coxie, it was a group for survivors of abuse, right? Mm-hmm. That was set up and we all approached and the redress board was set up. That was the compensate. Uh, survivors. Myself and other people, we didn't want that. We wanted to go to court because we had enough evidence. And we were basically told, you either take the, the money that they're going to give you from the Regis Board or you can go to hell. There's no court cases or anything. So we were forced into that. Um, were we compensated enough? No. We no, no, money will comp- no money would compensate you for what happened to you. So the basically the people, the people that the people that destroyed your life have never seen a day in court nor a day in jail. Oh, yeah. I would have rather to bring Are they still alive, Seamus? Are they still alive? Uh, yes. One of the teachers are alive from Churchill School. Right. And the other people are alive. Okay. I would have preferred to go into court, uh, be found, and find them guilty to be believed. That was the biggest uh, field. This, that was the biggest problem we had was being believed. Okay, so you have would you, ever, you would have preferred that to any amount of money? Yes. Have you ever, have you ever considered, or did you ever consider going face to face with this scumbag that's still alive and just um, to yes. confront him? Not I, necessarily to kill him, but to confront him. I tell you now, and I, I, I'll be honest with you, my wife will back this up. Um, when I got my first job in Silver Springs, you know, my life changed. We were able to go on holiday, so I went to Butlins with my family, my first holiday away. But on the way back, I said I'd call into the school to show my kids where I grew up. But I was going in there with the intentions of killing two people. Oh. If they were there, I would have killed them. Yeah. And I can, I can and hear it. And, and all these years later, Seamus, and I've spoken to you so many times, I can still hear it in your voice, how it upsets you to even think about that. Yeah. Because knowing I wasn't the only child in there that was beaten, tortured, and murdered, even though we, I knew it was going on with other boys, there was nobody for me to go and tell. Mm. So I felt I was leaving these kids down as well. Okay. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I didn't, Seamus, I didn't really want to upset you tonight. Yeah, look, you're all right. I love talking about it. Okay, okay, good. It's nice, it's, it's nice to get it out. And I suppose the more people yeah. that know, the better, Seamus. The, the better, more, yeah. Absolutely. The, so, the more people that know the truth. Stay, stay there for a second because I want to go to Lisa as well. Lisa, you're in Ireland's classic kids. How are you doing, Lisa? 
Hi, Niall. How are you? Good. Lisa, it's very upsetting listening to Seamus and what he went through and how he feels that although he may have got sort of, I suppose, uh, he got money, essentially, that he didn't get justice. And not only did he not get justice, there was other people who knew what happened to him and said nothing. And he believes those people should be um, criminally responsible. There's, there's no such thing as justice in this country uh, with uh, clerical abuse, with scout abuse, the whole lot. Um, my husband was abused by two scout leaders. Both of them were convicted. One of them served 66 days in prison. That's not fucking justice. No, no that's, that's not, not justice, justice at all. Do you no. know what I mean? Yeah. 66 days. Now, what we have as well is that people are becoming desensitised to uh, stories of abuse. There used to be an quite shocking, shock yes. factor. Um, and now people are kind of just flicking the page. It's, it's like, you know, it's, it's every other day. Um, and that's how, and you see the comparison with people saying, oh, it was only one or two percent of priests and this, that, and other, which I don't believe for a minute anyway. And even if it was one or two percent. Still, but well, there's still quite a lot. We had a lot of priests in this country yeah, at one stage. Huge. Yeah. Um, the Pope, um, as we know, you know, as I've said, facilitated uh, child abuse. Um, I know that I was part of myself and another girl with uh, saying no to the Pope. Um, okay. The protest. Yeah, and I, I myself got seven hundred ninety-six tickets for the Phoenix Park. And oh, I remember, all, I remember all the controversy yeah. around that um, at the time. Yes, you know what I mean. The yeah. thing is, when you say facilitated, they would have been aware, and they, well, you know, they and, and there were people within the Vatican whose job it was, administered by the Pope, whose job it was to move priests from parish to parish when they were caught or when rumors start circulating just like they do here, you yeah. know. And again, as well as that, we talk about uh, this child abuse as something of the past. It's not. It's current and it's right throughout society. Um, we have, you know, this Irishism of, oh, the dodgy uncle or the dodgy this, that, and the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's nothing dodgy about them. They're fucking pedophiles, Niall. Yeah. Sorry about my language. And that's it. There's no, you know, this business of a dodgy or he's a big... And, that, and that's, what I, that's what I said to you. When I, was, when I was 11 years of age and I was in school, there was a Christian brother there and everybody knew. Sure, he had nicknames. I'm not going to start mentioning them on the air because I yeah. say I can't for legal reasons, but he had nicknames and everybody knew. And it, the case, it was always, oh, you wouldn't, wouldn't want to turn your back on him. or and, and so everybody knew these particular individuals, all these individuals, just like Jimmy Savile, for example. Everybody yeah. knew, even in, in the BBC, that Jimmy Savile was a weirdo, that he was odd, that there was something weird about him, that he liked younger boys and girls yeah. and stuff like that. So people knew about these individuals, but nobody actually did anything. But I think, now that's very, very important to differentiate between the onus being on adults around who knew. I would hate to think, and I know there's an awful lot of survivors' guilt you know what I mean? With uh, oh, you know, even my own husband and very good friends of his who've been through it. That guilt of oh, if I'd wrote my mouth, you know, uh, it might have saved other children going through it. It's never the responsibility of, of the child. child. No, not at all. You know? And that's what I said when yeah, I knew about it. I was eleven years of age. But yeah. but there were teachers in that school and principals and vice principals and other people who were mature people and adults who sh- who should have done something about it. Well, then you look at now. You've only to read reports and records, right? in mother and baby homes, in industrial schools. There's names on these records. You know, this, this abuse is signed off, and it is. It, you know, the names are there. You can look at it. They should be held accountable. I don't care how many years have went past. If you can go into court with a historical case of abuse, right? Yeah. Um, by, say, a scout leader, for instance, that was, a, you know, a historical case, or seen as historical, 
but um, why can't these people be held accountable? Uh, you had the likes of lay people working in these uh, industrial schools and uh, mother and baby homes and that. You had cooks. You had the babies who were buried. You know, I have many, many people who are survivors of abuse have spoken to me about their horrible memories. And I know, um, I know by the way, you, you've helped survivors yourself. Um, I don't yeah. talk about your husband's case, but I know no, you've, no, helped, um, you've helped a lot of survivors yourself. That's right now, but I mean... As Seamus does, by the way, and and Seamus puts a lot of work into, he has a group as well in Cork that helps people too. Yeah, and I've heard of it and the fantastic uh, support that he is for people. But now I've heard of him, you know, I've spoken to women who saw their baby being brought out of mother and baby homes, placed into little orange boxes, little tiny crates that were used for oranges in those days, and the babies were placed into them and buried. Now, they were not carried out by priests, right? They were lay people that carried those babies out, but dead babies and dead children. So you had entire communities well aware of what was going on. And I think that anyone, especially nowadays, who knows of any incident with a child being abused and doesn't open their mouth, is absolutely facilitating abuse and is equally as bad well, as the to, to agree with you, Lisa, I think the law even says if anybody knows of that now, they w- they could go to jail for not passing any information. But well, yeah, we but have but, but, but who's saying the, uh, the confessional field, do you know? Oh well, we I, that's actually talking about that saying. Well, that, that, that we've had that debate. On, we, we've had that debate on numerous occasions in relation to the seal of confession, and and yeah. sadly enough, the person who we mentioned and, and German talked about earlier on, Cardinal Brady, who sat there and watched two boys sign an oath, an oath of silence about Brendan Smith, he defended the seal of confession only about five or six years ago there, if I remember right. Of course right. he did. Of course, because they're all, you know, they all have their finger in the same pie. They're not going to hang each other. Do you know what I mean? And that seal of confession, that is absolutely appalling. That's so I know, they, they class it as sacrosanct. Uh, but but getting back to what Jude said, and I, and I appreciate, Lisa, what you're saying, and I couldn't agree with you morally, I couldn't agree with you more, but I do take on board what Jude is saying. And But Jude, listening to Lisa there, and listening to the, the, the stories that you're hearing, Oh, sorry, he's gone. I do apologise. But he was saying, what he's essentially saying is, Lisa, you cannot apply, you know, the laws of today to something that happened in the 1970s or, uh, you know, or make laws retrospectively because if that was the case, the prisons would be full. Well, you can. You can. I believe you can because, you know, to say... when See, when people speak like that, that you can't do anything about it, we need to understand that people who went through that in the 60s and 70s are still suffering today. There is a ripple effect in families, no doubt about it. But there's, a, leg- yeah, but there's a legal argument, Lisa. There's a legal... And I'm not defending the legal argument, yeah. but the legal argument is... I'm working in a school in the 1970s. I know that, you know, Paul is abusing young children. And I go, that's wrong. I know he's doing it. That's wrong. Yeah. I have a moral obligation to do something about that. But I decide not to. Right? That's, there's nothing illegal about not using your morals. Everybody's entitled to have different morals. But at that time, I had no legal obligation to do anything about it because the law didn't exist. So you can't come along 20 or 30 years later and say, we're now bringing in a law and we're going to apply it to you from 30 years ago. Because I could say, well, hold on, the law didn't exist then, so you can't charge me with it. And that's why they can't apply it retrospectively. Well, you know what, Niall, if they can bring in laws and have meetings in the Oireachtas and that... So as I need to have, you know, a piece of paper to go for a pint or a meal. Oh, I'm you know sure I, I, mean? I know. But but then <laughs> so again, they, they can't. Ap- but then again, they can't apply that retrospectively. Although I think if they could, they probably would. Of course but, they would. Yeah, but they can't apply that retrospectively either. You know what I mean? They can't say that you went to a pub last year. Why didn't you apply? Have your QR code with you? So you well, cannot apply laws retrospectively. Cases. 
what about the current abuse? Like, this has not all gone away. People think that, you know, oh, that happened years ago. And that type of stuff doesn't happen anymore. Oh, well, it happens now. happens every yeah, but the day. Lisa, the laws, yeah, but the Lisa, the law is there now. Since 2012, they amended the Criminal Justice Act. It now states that you are, if you are aware of a child's life that's in danger or a child who may be in any kind of danger at all and you don't report it, you are criminally responsible. So that exists now in law. Since but there's absolutely not one example of anyone being probably not. held accountable. Or probably not. That. There's none. No, I mean, children are silent. Do you know what I mean? Children don't have a voice and the, the adults in this country are the ones who need to open their mouth. When you see something, open your mouth. Don't sit because if you sit and say nothing, you, you are complicit in child abuse. It's as simple as that. There's no two ways about it. Okay, but do me a favour, actually. I, I have to take a break. Anyway, Seamus, listen, thank you very much indeed for once again You're getting involved in the show. Okay, and, and the best of luck to you, all right, Seamus? I, I really mean that. Good all right. send me book to you. Oh, yeah, please do, Seamus, do. Do, send us up the book. All right, James. Thanks very much indeed. And uh, also thanks as well to Lisa and everybody else who got involved in that conversation. If you want to give us a call, you can. The number is 087-188-0008. Should people be criminally responsible? Let me go to Paul. Paul, you're an Ireland's classic kid. How you doing, Paul? Hi, how are you doing? Paul, um, now, you, you were a survivor as well. I am, yeah. I'm of the younger generation. Okay. Like, like I do only be 53 now. Okay, so that you would have been in school in the kind of late 70s, 80s. 1968, I was put in to oh, into primary school, yes. School, yeah. Um, in Tralee. Right, okay. And um, as, I, as I was telling you, researcher there, that we were physically, mentally and sexually abused there. Okay. And was that happening to many boys in the school at the time? It was happening to a, to, um, a fair few. Okay. And I'm very, I'm very sorry to hear that, Paul, by the way. And, and I know that's something that you live with for the rest of your life. Well, it is something you live with, but the, uh, the point I wanted to make was is that you were talking about the redress there and the compensation that the government gave us, right? Now, um, what I found out over my research is that the women that were there for 18 years got roughly about 40,000, right? Okay. Now, you get more for a broken finger than you did for 18 years of abuse. You would, yes. If you, were to the, uh, if you went if you went to, and sued somebody for a car crash for whiplash or a bad back, you'd probably get as much. You, Yeah, and you see, that, and the reason this happened now, and people have to understand this, is that groups um, sprung up everywhere when this first broke. Now, the leaders of the groups were the highest paid. Now, I'm talking about up to 100 to 125,000 that they got, right? And that was basically to keep the other survivors in line. So, so you believe the, uh, the individuals organizing or helping to organize the redress amongst, you know, other members of its group were basically paid a little bit more to keep everybody, I suppose, just on the same page. Exactly. Okay. And, and to keep and quiet. The, and, and the way that they wouldn't go to, to the high court, because re- remember, we were told that if we went to the high court, Right. Oh, sorry. If we went to the confidential side, we would get the same payment as you would have gotten the high court. See, but the state, the the whole idea of redress is to avoid long delays in court, to avoid days being used up in the high court that could be used for other things as well. And also the cost to the state as well, you know, in the high court, et cetera, et cetera. So that's the whole idea of redress is to give everybody more or less a set amount of money and to accept the state accepting responsibility. 
Yes, I agree with that. But you see, when we went to the investigation side or the confidential side, we were told that we would get the same amount as that would be awarded in the High Court. Right. Right? Which we never got. Right? We got way less than what was in in the High Court. And do you, and this, just out of curiosity, because I'm not familiar with the whole system, but when you take redress or accept redress, and let's say, you know, they, they hand you 60 grand or 70 grand or whatever it is, do you then have to sign a piece of paper saying that, that is the end of it, you will not take a case to the state? That's exactly okay. what it is. Yeah, so and, you can't go and, back and look for more. No, and I can't tell you then how much I got. Yes, a non-disclosure. The whole lot back. Yeah. And you could end up in jail. But you see, the point is that I'm actually trying to make here is that we are still being abused today. We are a commodity to survivor groups. There's some group, survivor groups out there that are getting 100, sorry, 295,000 a year to help survivors. Well, they are, I'm not going to say they're all bad. There probably are some that are bad, but there are people out there who genuinely care. And yes, some may be funded to help because, I mean, people don't work for free either. So, you know, some might be getting funded to help other survivors come forward. Yeah, but you see, Niall, if you were in Dublin, that'd be great. If you were in Waterford, that would be fantastic. Mm -hmm. But if you were from Cork, Kerry, Limerick, Tipperary, Mayo, anywhere outside them two counties, right? There is no help for survivors at all. And yet they're commoditizing us saying that they represent us and they're getting funding to help us. And you believe you got a raw deal, that, that people are getting a raw deal, essentially? Well, survivors, listen, Niall, I, I know, because I deal with survivors on a daily basis, mm. right? There are survivors there that are on the streets that can't even afford a blanket. They're, they're living in poverty. And I know there's a lot of other people that, that weren't survivors that are living in poverty as well today. But if we had got the same opportunities in those days as people got now, then we might have been better educated. I mean, like I was told I was a moron and an imbecile, right? Mm -hmm. And that I was on borderline retardation. So I wasn't worked um, educating. I'm sorry sorry to hear that, Paul. And I'm sure you're, um, you're not any of those things. Yeah, I, well, I know that now, but as a kid, when you kept being told it. But you see, there is... There is oh, I know, I, know, I know that these priests or lay teachers or whoever it happened to be at the time that abused these children, they changed the course of those children's lives. They did, you see. And, and, and I mean, like, I'm dealing with survivors who are, um, no, that are living in flats. They haven't got a tea bag to their name from one week to the next. And these groups are funded to help them, to reach out to them. And they're not doing it. And the people that are... And is there anywhere, is there an ombudsman or is there somebody that's higher up that you, as a survivor, can go and and make a complaint, you know, and have your complaint heard and investigated into any groups that you believe are not doing the job they're being paid to do? The HSC is funding them. We have... For the last 10 years, I'd say, we have put in countless emails and nothing has been done by the HSC that is funding them. As 
when we contacted the, the Department of Education about it, because they're funding them as well, right? Yep. We were told that there was no guidelines at all for the groups. All they do is say, I'm representing 200 people, give me funding. Right. Right? Yep. And they get it. And nobody knows where the money goes to. And this is the problem we are having at, at the moment. You have survivors dying every day of the week that don't have, excuse my language here, a pot to piss in. That's quite shocking, isn't it, when you see the people's lives that have already been destroyed continue to have their lives destroyed like that. And, and, this, and this is the point, you see, this is something we have to live with for the rest of our lives. And I mean, like, I'm seeing a clinical psychologist, right? She turned around and she said to me today, you know, like, forget about the past, kind of move forward. But that's hard when you flashbacks. Of course. Nearly every night and you're sweating when you're waking up and screaming. I'm su- by the way, I'm, I'm, with the greatest respect, I'm, I'm surprised a clinical psychologist. I'm not a psychologist myself, but I'm certain that experience would say to you, forget about the past. I mean, she, yeah, put it to the back of your mind. Oh, so that's you know, easier said than done, isn't it? I, I think she meant it in a nice way. Oh, because, okay, yeah, yeah. Because it's it's it. But, but is it not? Be, is it not? Yeah, but is it not better to deal with it uh, rather but, than trying to forget about something? The dealing with it is probably but, better. But Niall, how long can you deal with this? I mean, like we're dealing with this. I'm dealing with this over, I suppose, thirty-five years, right? And I still can't come to terms. Which what happened to me. And, and if you don't mind me asking, Paul, uh, and I don't want to go into the details of your case, because uh, I don't want to bring it all back to you, t- but in saying it, was it physical abuse or sexual abuse? or? or... It was physical, it was sexual, it was uh, mental, it was starvation, I was um, boarded out where there was more mental abuse. I was put into um, a school, an industrial school, in, or sorry, a reformatory school in Dublin until I was 16. And then I was thrown out of the school and I was homeless for two years. There was no groups around. There was nobody to help me. And this is why a few of us have taken up the mantle to try to help survivors today. Because of this, there is no help, no funding. Like, I'm involved now in a thing called the Consultation Talks, Bob. Right? Right. And we put in our submissions to try and close down the industrial schools for good, the way they can get justice, right? Yeah. We put it in seven months ago and we haven't got one reply from Norma Foley, the the Minister of Education. Now, this is going on 21 years. Now, you heard of the baby, uh, the modern baby report costing 37 million, right? A bit of a joke of a report, to be honest with you. It was a whitewash, right? Yeah. But, we done all the consultation talks over Zoom, right? It didn't, I think it was, this was the cheapest report that the government ever did. And they still can't even give us an answer seven months later. Oh, I'm sorry, that, that's quite shocking, Paul. It is quite shocking. And I'm, I understand Minister Foley has a lot of things to do, but it, it wouldn't take long to sit down and put a reply together of some description to give you some sort of guarantees, uh, you know, that it will be looked into or it will be taken seriously. I mean, like, what we were told, right, Niall, and you laugh at this, by one of the, um, one of our uh, private advisors, is that we had to get our pitch in 
before the mother and baby homes got theirs in, right? And we were told that there was no pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. This is what we were told by our department. So basically what they were doing were pushing industrial schools against modern baby homes as well as demanding laundries. Keep us all fighting and the government will get away with what they want to get away with. It's quite shocking, Paul, and I think, you know, when I listen to the stories tonight from yourself and Seamus and Lisa and everybody else that's been on, you know, thankfully, I I would like to think that, you know, we're not going to hear a repeat of this in 40 years' time. Um, well, although, although maybe, maybe we will, I don't know. No, you will. You will because you're going to hear about it because of the, the, the ordinary schools that people were sexually abused in. You know, like I, I just, I, I don't think, Paul. What happened then, you know, in schools, and of course, you know, I was in schools and in around the same time as you, probably. Uh, what happened in schools then just couldn't happen nowadays. I, I don't believe it could. Not certainly not to the extent it happened or how widespread it was at the time. You just wouldn't get away with it. No, but but I can tell you what the next big thing is going to be. You know, Nile is psychiatric. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because my mother was in a, in, a, in a psychiatric ward and she was raped inside her by an attendant, right? And she ended up having um, what's called a biracial child, right? Now, there is no justice for her and there's many women like her that were inside in uh, psychiatric hospitals all over Ireland that were raped and abused. And you, got, you think that's the next big thing to come out, probably, most likely. Oh, listen to me. We're, we are actually only touching, touching the tip of the iceberg here. Just in relation to the question I asked at the start of the show, Paul, the people not responsible, but the people who knew those responsible and knew what was going on and were well aware of the individuals that, were, that had a liking towards children, etc., sexually. Do you believe those people who didn't report it to the police at the time should be criminally responsible now? But you see, again, why would they report it? Because if you look at it, there was doctors involved, there was Gardaí involved, there was TDs involved, there was the pillars of the community, all over the community. It was a huge paedophile ring. So why would one of them rat out the other and get himself into trouble and say, oh, by the way, this fellow was doing it as well? They, they all had to cover their own backs, every one of them. And this is why it was hidden for so long now, is that every profession, from up there to the TDs all the way down, were involved in what went on in mandolin laundries, mother and baby homes, and industrial homes, and the psychiatric hospitals. So there's no way they would have ratted each other out. Well, listen, you've given us a really good insight, Paul. I'm sorry for what happened to you, and I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, you can get through the rest of your life the best you can. And I suppose well, putting well, it well, to the back of your mind, is, as that was said to you today, maybe that's the way it did. Yeah. And if we can get closure, if we can get closure for the industrial schools after 21 years of birthday, Hearn making a promise to look after us, and he's indebted to us for the rest of our lives. Now, remember, there were 16,500 of us then. That was in 99. There's only about 5,000 of us left. 
Yes, because sadly a lot of people have passed away at this you stage. Know, and there's people dying every day without closure. And what drives me mad, Niall, is this. Is from the mother and baby homes, and I know a lot of mothers, there is mothers dying. And they're dying tormented. That they didn't know where their children are. And they were looking for them. And no person in this world should die with regret or torment. But this is what the government have done and previous governments before them. They should give these women peace of mind now because a lot of them are in the third cycle of life and let them meet their maker in peace. I could, I could, Paul, I could, I'm sorry I've run out of time, but I couldn't have put it better myself. Uh, and that's, a, I think, a nice way to end the conversation. You're right, they should give all those women peace. Many of those women are quite elderly now and probably will pass away, as you say, tormented, uh, because they won't get that peace. Paul, um, uh, safe uh, forward in your life, I have to be honest. You know, I, I can't imagine what it must be like to have that memory constantly on your mind. So good luck to you, all right, and I wish you well, all right? Thank you very much, Niall. All right, okay. Uh, there you go. Um, so many people tonight, by the way, with their own stories. Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi award winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hits.